0: Hi, this is Madhav here from Remote Marketing Podcast, and today I'm super glad to welcome the first official guest on the podcast, Brenna Luri. She is the head of marketing at Doist, the makers behind two very popular apps uh, called Todoist and Twist, and they've got like over 13 million users. And you know what's my favorite part? They are 100% remote team. So welcome to the show, Brenna. just you know if i've if I've said something wrong here in this, like is that thirteen million users if it's hundred percent or more team, feel free to let me know about that
1: yeah, well, we're actually we actually hit our twenty million uh wow. sign up milestone for Todoist um recently. So we're excited about that for sure. Even though we aren't too into vanity metrics, like that was a pretty exciting anyway.
0: <laughs> wow, but otherwise, users. the we sound
1: good. We're 100% remote, um, 68 people in 25 different countries, I think.
0: That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, 20 million users. And Doist has been around for like how many years now?
1: Well, Doist was started in 2007, Um, our founder Amir was in university and basically needed a a digital tool to keep track of all the stuff uh, that he needed to do and at the time there wasn't as many options as there are today so he just kind of created Todoist himself and put it online and kind of the rest is history Uh, but Doist I would say you know it all started as Doist, and then, you know, this, this concept of Doist as, you know, uh, leaders in the remote workspace and things like that. I tend to think that that sort of formed after our first in-person retreat, which was in 2015, um, which is the first time everybody met each other, basically. And um, I always feel like there was a before and after that first retreat, so... According to my personal experience, too, it's just been around <laughs> since 2015, but legally and technically, it's been around this whole time.
0: But so That's that's interesting because um, I think I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts before. You joined the company in 2012, right? Yes. So it was yep. three years of working together and then you finally met in person?
1: Yeah. So I had met Amir and Alan, who is our COO. Um, and I think I met um, one other person from the team, but besides that, I had never met anybody yeah, for three years um, and it 's not like we were working together either like we were Amir and Alan and I were all living in Santiago, Chile at the time, um, but we'd never worked in the same office together um so yeah that was really momentous for me and i think for a lot of other people in the team to like finally put (laughs) faces with you know the people who you've been collaborating with for so long it was really really a special moment
0: yeah i'm sure Uh, (laughs) you know i've um i was also with the remote team for like four years uh Mm -hmm. something called hub stuff and we met for the first time after like two and a half years. It was just like the best thing, you know, like, because yeah. before that it was literally like people, like faces on Slack. Like you never knew if these were real people until you actually yeah. met them. So that was uh, funny. But um, so but, but I'm actually very curious right now. Like, so 2012 is when you met the founder. So like, how did that kind of end up you becoming like the first marketing hire at Doist?
1: Well, I actually met Amir and this is really bad because I can never remember if it was 2010 or 2011. Um, so the backstory to that is that I was working in this program called Startup Chile, which was part of the Ministry of Economy of the Chilean government. And this program brought international entrepreneurs, um, startup founders, to Chile for a period of six months. Six months for, um, and they and they gave everybody a forty thousand dollar equity-free grant, basically. Um, So Amir was part of this program, I believe, as the first batch of participants. Um, So I was actually working as the head of communications and PR for this program, Startup Chile. And then Amir came on as one of the participants, and um, I kind of got to know him through that. And then I left Startup Chile to start my own sort of boutique tech PR firm. So I was working with a lot of startups in Latin America um, and some VC firms and things like that. And I ended up uh, starting to do some freelance work for Amir in 2012. And then I just started doing more and more work and taking on more and more responsibilities. And ultimately I came on full time, I think in 2014. Oh okay. to
0: do it yeah okay so it was, all right it
1: was a gradual <laughs> gradual thing i suppose
0: that's interesting though like 2014 and then so since 2014 and now it's 2019 right so i'm guessing um there is a proper marketing team at doist right now how big is the team right now
1: yeah so we have i think seven or eight people. It's, it's kind of hard to put a number on it, to be honest, because we have um, like a business development team that works really, really closely with the marketing team. So technically they're not part of my team, but I tend to assume that they are because I like having more people on my team. Uh, <laughs> and, but we have one person who focuses on product marketing, one person who is the editor of our blog, we have another person who oversees social media and other types of content. Um, we have one person working in growth. And um, like I mentioned, we have um, our head of business development and also um, like an assistant business development person who also kind of helps out with PR. And he also focuses on um, localization because we translate all of our apps and marketing materials into 19 or 20 different languages. So. Huh. wow
0: work. <laughs> 19, countries that's amazing do you feel that translations yeah. is uh is something that has been like a super uh like it is showing some promising results for you
1: i think so um i find that it builds a lot of brand affinity if anything um one of the most one of the most um useful parts of Todoist in my opinion is this uh natural language date parsing. Um and we actually have this natural language date parsing available in all of the different languages we have. So if you say like um whatever, buy cereal every three weeks starting tomorrow, ending December 31st. Like you can say that phrase in any language and the app will automatically recognize and parse everything for you in your specific language. So I think that um, obviously makes people's life a lot easier and a lot easier for them to kind of get things out of their head and onto their to-do list and not think too much else after it, or like have to translate it into English. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is It is quite a lot of work, but um, my colleague, uh, whose name is Danny, he has done a phenomenal job um, Like working. We have, I think, 20 different freelance translators. Um, so it is a lot of work, but um, it's something, we've always been such an international company that it wouldn't really make sense if we didn't do that, I suppose, so. Yeah. Also, I
0: feel that I think there's a lot of uh, missed opportunities. Like, I think the competition in ads and SEO and all of that is kind of low if in the non-English markets. Definitely, Mm -hmm. I feel so. Oh yeah, definitely,
1: a lot of low-hanging fruit there. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) But it's interesting that so, so with translations and all of the other activities you're doing, let's kind of dive in on a slightly more higher level. What is Doist marketing team's goal? Like what does the marketing team exist for in the company?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, In general, we are very much an anomaly, like as a company in terms of how we operate. Um, So just to give you an example, like we have never done any paid acquisition until last year. Uh, which we started experimenting with twist. Um, So we're very untraditional in that like the majority of our marketing efforts are focused around educating our users and just trying to make their journey and experience as easy as possible. Um, So that means, you know, we work a lot like with our support team on the help center contents um, and we work a lot with our product teams on making sure like if we launch a new feature, then um, we present it in a way that's easy to digest and understandable. Um, so we really don't focus a lot on like, quote unquote, filling the funnel. Uh, we try and focus on the people who are more or less already interested in using our apps and just making it as easy as possible for them to um, get their work done and be productive and have balance in their in their work and in their free time
0: got it um, so but, but that's very interesting so right now when we look at the customers that are coming in into both to do and twist is that where are they coming from uh, if if the marketing right. if marketing isn't spending a lot of time on acquisition side
1: yeah, so I guess our job has been quite easy, especially for Todoist. Our traffic has more often than not been organic. Like I mentioned, we've never run any paid ads for Todoist. Um, so we, our, our main channels are just like Google search um, and the app stores.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for Twist, it's a bit of a different story that has definitely been an interesting challenge for the last few years as compared to our experience with Todoist, which is very much a consumer app. Um, but for Twist, actually, there's a lot of cross-pollination between our Todoist users and our Twist users. So there are a few like very specific touch points that we have in our in the Todoist product where Twist might be useful for, for our Todoist users. So we... Um, we sort of pitch people twist in these very specific moments, um, but otherwise, I think twist is still very much in the process of gathering early adopters like it has been a really interesting experience for us because it 's hard for people to i think realize and recognize that work doesn 't have to be so stressful you don 't have to be on all the time and And sort of once you realize that, it is kind of hard to make a change with your whole team and if your whole company is using something like Slack. So um, we're just trying to educate a lot of, do a lot of education around like um, healthier work habits and things like that. Um, So I think a lot of people come to the app through our blog more than anything else, I think.
0: Yeah, I actually, I actually did read, I think one of the blogs, uh, which kind of explained why twist was created. And there was just so many things that I kind of agreed on, especially the, you know, part about just so many threads on Slack, like, you know, a lot of stuff just getting missed. And I've had that problem so much. And I've also been like, I'm that person, because, you know, with a remote team, I'm kind of getting messages at 3am. And I'm like, like 3 a.m., yeah. And I'm just opening my uh, Slack app on my mobile. I'm like, oh my God, I'm just bombarded with these messages. So for me, it was yeah. always like the way to kind of, uh, get, you know, get rid of all of that was to just delete the Slack app from my phone.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, it's, I can totally um, identify with you there because a lot of our team is in Europe and the kind of central time zone. And I'm in Seattle in Pacific time zone. So back before we created Twist, we were using Slack. And like at first it was super cool and really fun and added an interesting dimension to our team dynamic for sure. But like I would just wake up and have hundreds of just (laughs) crap to sift through. And like people would make decisions while I wasn't even awake. Um, and it just, it was so impossible to follow any sort of coherent conversation. Like I, I find it, I find it surprising that remote teams, um, (laughs) are relying so much on Slack because I just, I found it so overwhelming and stressful. I don't know how teams can deal with that,
0: (laughs) to (laughs) be honest. I definitely agree. Yeah, but it's, I'm, I'm actually super interested to see, like, I, I think I'll definitely follow a lot of the work uh, that you're all going to do, but like, just kind of tackle such a, like Slack is everywhere, like Slack, I think pretty yeah. much every team uses. So how is that change going to happen? You know, like, uh, it will be interesting to see, uh, is there anything right now that you can share, like what you're kind of doing, um, you know, to kind of get people to move from slack to twist right apart from let's say the blog which say you know which talks about the you know shortcomings of slack and stuff like that
1: yeah it's like i mentioned before it has been a really interesting challenge for us to market twist um you know i'm sure you can tell recently there's there's been more awareness around healthier tech habits um, and like people trying to lead less screen heavy lives and things like that. So that definitely plays to our advantage, but, um, it's, it's certainly an uphill battle and, um, we're trying to be as creative about it as we can. Um, we, tr- we, we tested a lot of, um, Google ads and that's just, that wasn't a great channel for us. Um, So we're probably going to test out a few other advertising platforms in the near future. Um, But just, we've always been a very much like a product led company. So we're continuing to develop twist so that it's easier for teams to organize and catalog their information. Because at the end of the day, that's really um, one of twist's biggest value propositions is that like these threads It's funny, it seems almost like that scene in Jurassic Park where you have this like perfectly crystallized, um, what was it, a mosquito, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like you can go back in time and twist and see a thread from, I don't know, 2015 and see the whole conversation like perfectly in context and in its original state. So um, just making it easier for users to... Use Twist as a tool of like a, a knowledge base. And um, right. we recently launched this content initiative called the Twist Remote Work Guides. Um, and those are like very, very long form pieces of content that focus on like all of the logistics and aspects of running a remote company. Um, and we do touch on Twist there because for us, like, being asynchronous is so key to everything that we do. Like, you know, if we have team members in Taiwan and they can't be like expecting an immediate yeah. response from me in Seattle and I can't be expecting the same, you know, so we have like built a lot of knowledge around the concept of asynchronous communication. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're still in the process of like trying trial and error, trying and seeing what works, and. Yeah. If it doesn't,
0: move on and keep experimenting. <laughs> yeah, no, but I hope something works out. I've been trying out Twist now. Um, yeah, just like an alternative Slack. But anyway, uh, but it is interesting. So when you've got like, you know, uh, that's an app like Twist where, uh, you know, it's it's an uphill battle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. right? So they're obviously, um, you know, when when the team meets together, there's always going to be, the other teams are always going to, you know, ask you know it's like what's marketing doing what are they uh, like uh, what results have they achieved you know uh, all of that so how do you kind of hand like you're kind of like the face of the marketing team so when you're kind of in mm-hmm. there how do you manage all of you know conveying these requirements to uh, these uh, results and requirements and the decisions you took to the whole team to the leadership yeah. team uh, how do you do that
1: yeah so i mean all I would say 99% of our communication happens in twist.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: anytime we make a decision or anything, like we t- tend to catalog it in a twist thread. Um, for example, like we recently had a marketing retreat in Montreal in September Um and we were focusing actually a lot on Todoist this time around. And last year we were in Budapest and we um, like focused a lot on Twist initiatives. So it, a lot of it depends on like the status of the product. Like I mentioned, we're we're a very product heavy company. So you know, Twist, for example, is in the process of you know coming up with some new features and kind of like heads down development mode. So for us, it makes sense to focus more on Todoist. And so um, basically like explaining yourself in a thread. And um, we have a really high trust culture. So I haven't really met a ton of pushback <laughs> yet uh, for the time being, just because, um, you know, I think we put a lot of trust in our teammates and um, Okay. Like I would say, you know, for the engineering team, like you obviously know what's best. I'm going to trust your decision making.
0: Right. Yeah. So when, uh, so just a quick question here. So uh, do you right now, you know, with all of the activities that you're doing in marketing, I saw that you've got this, I've been subscribed to this really cool newsletter that you have uh, balance and ambition. Mm-hmm. right uh it's got just amazing content and I uh yeah. I've been subscribed to it for a while so you've got you know these newsletter initiatives you've got translations you've got ads all of that right so is do you kind of have like an assigned marketing budget like did the leadership team assign you a particular budget or is that just mostly ad hoc like
1: that's a really uh kind of funny question just because always in the past we've had like a very ad hoc budget like Oh I I would like to sponsor this event. Okay. <laughs> or like I would like to you know sponsor this newsletter. Okay. Um but actually this year and last year was kind of the first time we we had like a very set um budget for the whole year. Um so as ridiculous as it sounds like this is kind of a new thing for us. <laughs> um so we We basically come up with like our marketing roadmap, which runs in parallel to the product roadmap. And then just go from there. Like we, um, this year, for example, invested in this Twist remote work guides content project. So we had some writers, um, content agency that was helping us out a little bit on that. Um, So that was, like, one investment we made. Um, And we do have, um, for Twist and kind of Doist, it's sort of a two birds with one stone marketing activity, but we do try and invest in um, events that are focused on promoting remote-first companies. Um, So we do try and, like, have a presence um, in those events and sponsor those. So that eats up, um, like some part of our marketing budget. Um, but besides that, like, to be honest, it's, um, it's a lot of experimentation still at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. we are running for the first time, some like Apple search ads for Todoist. (laughs) Mm, Um, yeah. So we're still, um, like experimenting with what a budget means for us, which sounds insane but <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way that we've worked this whole time so yeah, it is what it is <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like so right now um she so you said you know you've got uh sometimes you sponsor newsletters sometimes you're kind of going uh sponsoring an event all of that right mm-hmm. so like i know that this is the first time but um over the years as you've kind of decided that you know let's do this remote work guide right, or whatever right like how do you mm-hmm. kind of manage you know like this budget like how do you spend where to spend what like sponsoring an event like uh, on what parameters do you decide that this these are the things that you want to kind of spend the money on
1: (laughs) I guess it's to be honest it's still quite ad hoc Mm -hmm. Um, we do get a ton of inquiries like of different organizations and Uh, different kinds of events asking us for sponsorships, but uh, we are in fact quite picky. Um, And this is another interesting like aspect of our culture and the way we do marketing is that we are very um, conscious of what we invest in and like the, the organizations that we tie our brand with. Um, So we just know that like, for example, for us, the concept of remote work is, really kind of a, a, the basis to the Doist brand and also it's very important for for twist um we've always marketed twist as a tool for remote teamwork um so that's kind of a no-brainer i guess like uh invest in <laughs> yeah invest in conferences that are like promoting this idea of remote work um and then okay. yeah
0: that's interesting it, okay that
1: makes sense
0: yeah, yeah no, it there's not
1: a ton of like uh data science behind it it's a lot of gut feeling and um just uh like going off our past experiences knowing what works what doesn't and uh experimenting from there
0: yeah i think that's how startups are right like they're just kind of Throwing different irons in the fire, <laughs> figuring out. Yeah, I works. wish I
1: could say that there was like a more methodical <laughs> approach. But, <laughs> I don't
0: know. but that makes, I can totally uh, <laughs> relate to that. But okay, so, all right. So it's interesting, but kind of let's just step back a little bit. Um, yeah. Let's go back to 2014 um, when you kind of started out at Twist, right? So I want to understand like at what point did you, hire your first marketing team member? Like what, why did you make that hire? And you know, just all of those um, aspects there.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just funny to think back like how really scrappy we were. Like we were a very s- small company for a very long time and we still are pretty small today. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a few marketing interns. Uh, that our COO hired. Um, but I onboarded our first marketing hire. Yeah, it, it must've been in 2014. 2014 and, and Becky is still with the company today. She's the editor of our blog um, and our newsletter. Um, nice. But yeah, I just was like, I was doing so many different things and I was wearing so many different hats at that point. Like, I was, you know, doing PR and social media and like writing our blog, which is, uh, you know, if I look back at those posts, I just want to crawl into a hole and die of embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. And I was like filtering other candidates. So I was kind of playing an HR role and doing some copywriting. So I, I really needed like an extra set of hands at that point. Um, and Becky was already like a very enthusiastic to-doist user. Um and she's a very talented writer. So yeah, it was um
0: Okay. So it was yeah. Becky. Um uh, Becky yeah. who saved you <laughs> at that time.
1: Yes, yes. And she <laughs> continues <laughs> to this day.
0: <laughs> All right. So okay. But so and she particularly kind of came in, kind of helped you mostly with the content, the blog, uh mostly around that. Um and now you say that uh, right now the marketing team's about uh, seven, eight people with mm-hmm. some salespeople kind of switching roles uh, at some time. So I'm actually super interested to know that, um, you know, like, like like you said, right? Like in the beginning you had, um, you, know, you, had um, you know, you had experience in PR, social media, mm-hmm. all of those things, right? Now you're hiring, like you've got a growth marketer, you've got a product marketer and I saw on your website that you've got a marketing designer position open right so um at like you know like so with becky it was it was probably like you needed help with content and she came in to kind of be the extra hand for you at that time uh these are more specialized positions growth marketer product marketer so Mm -hmm. how did you feel the need for it like how do you you know how do you realize which roles to hire for like how how did you realize that Marketing designer is kind of the next role you want to add to the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, that role specifically is um, sort of a specific situation just because the marketing designer that we have left to do a master's program. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But that's a great question because, like I had mentioned, I went in to work for Doist with a very specific skill set, almost exclusively being PR and communication. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a ton about all of these other components of marketing and growth and SEO and God, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has been a really amazing experience for me to go in like with a very sort of um, closed circle of skills and sort of see myself today and. I feel like I'm somewhat of a generalist and know a little bit about everything in order to properly um, lead my team. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of hiring people, like we've always been very conservative about hiring. We never hire people unless we feel that we really need it. So it's basically like (laughs) we kind of squeeze our team until it's about to pop and then we hire somebody. (laughs) <laughs> um in all of the best ways of course uh but it just like my experience is like this metaphor of giving away legos like i i gave away le- content legos to becky i you know we gave away social media legos to fideke I, I you know i recently like let go of product marketing to my colleague meal so um and then i stopped overseeing pr and now danny is overseeing that so it's just kind of like little by little um people just stop having the the bandwidth i guess to to oversee so much stuff especially now that we have two we have two products and three brands so our team is growing and we did hire recently two marketing engineers who have been like a godsend for us helping us work a lot faster um, and then, yeah, we're looking to hire two, uh, marketing designers who collaborate really closely, obviously with the marketing team, but those are actually, will be part of the design team. Um, okay, so they won't report directly to me, but we do collaborate very closely.
0: Interesting. So, but like with the marketing designer role, right? Like, like you said that you're a generalist and you've got a lot of experience in all these different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's take the marketing designer role specifically, right? Right. That's a very specialized skill (laughs) set. So like, for sure, like maybe uh, a design generalist skill set would be, I don't know, making up a, uh, you know, a graphic in Canva or something like that, you know, Um, and I could be wrong. It could be a lot more as well. So when you're, let's say, specifically looking for a great marketing designer, right? Like how do you identify that? You know, there's a good designer, there's a bad designer. It's just so specific, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah. And this is, um, I always tell our HR person, like, I think I was a recruiter, a recruiter in my past life. Like this is actually one of the things that I like most about my job is finding, finding people who are, who will fit our culture because I feel like I, you know, I I know this really well. I've been with the company for a long time and it's really exciting to like find people who, who you think could thrive at the company. So I mean, in this role specifically, like, I have a really clear vision of what projects these designers are going to work on. So it's anything from our websites, email design, logos, typography, branding, and things like that. So I mean, once you have sort of that frame of reference, you can go in and, uh, you know, see work samples and see if it kind of jives with the design style that we have. And also, like if you look at our, um, the the job descriptions that we have available, when you go to apply, you have to answer a certain set of questions. Um, so it's some questions that our head of design and I put together, which are like, hmm. you know, what, what thing, what aspects do you think you will bring to this role? And like, what is a brand that inspires you, for example? So um, And like what interests you specifically about working at, at Doist. So that helps us filter out, um, the right candidates pretty easily, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then they usually, uh, before you hire them, do you usually, uh, work on a test task or something like that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in this role that I'm on the hiring committee for. Like I'm the first interview everybody has. So I'm kind of like <laughs> the doist culture gatekeeper at this point. So um, <laughs> if I feel that they'll be a good fit, then they move on to the test project. Um, and then that's evaluated by somebody on our design team. And then they'll have an interview with Anna, who is our head of design. And if they pass that phase then they have an interview with Alan who is our COO. Um, And then once somebody is hired, they do um, a one week mentorship with somebody on their team. So they'll go um, in this case, I'm guessing they'll probably go um, and work with Anna in Portugal for a week um, just to get some one on one time and get to know each other Okay. um, make it easier to ask questions and things like that.
0: Who is Anna? She's our head of design. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And okay, just one small question here and then we'll move on. Yeah, I'm actually okay. super interested to understand this. So, you know, the other thing that a lot of people also ask is that, let's say, when you're hiring for, let's say you said you had a bunch of tasks already in your mind for the marketing designer, you know, um, redesign yeah. the email, redesign the website. Um, are you never kind of scared that? Um, you know a lot of these are probably like one-off projects and one these once these projects are over will you have recurring work for them
1: oh my god i have <laughs> a list that it's like never-ending of projects <laughs> <laughs> um just because we well, we always only ever had one marketing designer on okay. our team and so and we until recently we never had engineers that were dedicated to the marketing team so Um, we were always like pretty constrained in that aspect. So now that we have engineers, um, we can move a lot faster and like, we can actually prioritize a lot of these projects that we've been like leaving on the back burner for years. Like there's a lot of stuff that we've been wanting to work on for a very long time, but just haven't had the resources to be able to prioritize it. Um oh yeah there's there's a lot of work <laughs> for <laughs> okay. these people I can't wait for them to be hired it's
0: going to be yeah, yeah if if there's awesome. a future marketing <laughs> designers who's listening on the podcast yeah. don't
1: them. <laughs> get ready <laughs>
0: <laughs> no okay but it's interesting and um one last question on hiring and then we'll move on so yeah. let's say for the next whichever the next person you're hiring uh, be a designer or anyone right Who do you prefer hiring specifically a generalist or a specialist
1: i think that's a really great question because on our team it's a super interesting dynamic because while each person on our team has like a very specific area that they see they also have expertise elsewhere so for example um, Fedeke, who um, I hired her to just be in charge of our social media, but it turns out that she's a magnificent writer. So she writes content for our blog. She oversees the To Do a Year and Review project. She's the one who oversaw the Twist Remote Guides project. Um, so while everybody has their specific area um, of ownership, they also like really easily can fill in in missing spots where necessary so it's to be honest it's kind of a little bit of both um and that has worked really well for our team just because we're so small and it you know it's really nice to know that like everybody to some degree can have each other's backs if that Mm -hmm. makes sense right um so I would say it's almost 50-50. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just everybody on our team has this sort of unique profile because like, for example, Hugo, who is our, um, he works in growth marketing. Like he is very talented in terms of design and product. So he oversees um, a lot of projects that have to do with product. Or he also helps me like, um, you know, work on the landing pages and stuff like that. That. so uh yeah i would say about 50 50 it's it's um really nice to have people who can do a little bit of everything but have their own skill set as well
0: yeah this, this is interesting 50 50 of a it, makes it.
1: i mean <laughs> it's an interesting debate i i see people talking about that a lot um oh yeah like what is best a generalist or a specialist and i think you just have to know what works best for your team